Hi, everybody. I'm Peter Travers. Welcome to Popcorn, where we tell you what's happening at the movies. And come on, you know, is there any other movie for you to see now but Alien Covenant? The answer is no. No. You, you may think there are, but no, there's just that one. And my guest, Billy Crudup, today is... Well, I don't want to give it away. Okay. I'm going to let you give it away. Oh, wait, that. I can't do that, but Peter. But notice, because I know your brother, yes. uh, that I don't make a mistake with your last name. You don't. And I would I'm never call grateful. you Crudup. Thank you so much. Some people just won't stop doing it. Well, you know what's the worst, too, is the guy who does the um, voiceovers for the previews. Yes. So when you hear, I'm Billy Crudup, you kind of think, well... <laughs> All right, I can't argue well, with that. Well, that's worked. I guess I should go ahead and change my name at this point. <laughs> did you guys have schoolyard fights about stuff like this? Well, it, we did have many schoolyard fights. I'm sure Crudup was a part of it. <laughs> I, I, tr- I tried to explain to kids in fourth grade that there used to be an umlaut over the name. You know, back it was a German name. Oh, they don't want to hear that. No, they that don't, would get you they punched. Don't, you say the word umlaut in fourth grade, that's, a, that's another smack. So <laughs> that's you just, just not learn to happen. live with whatever you get. So you've got it, and you've learned to just live with mispronunciation. I, I, um, it was funny. I've got a 13-year-old son, yeah. and they're always looking for the thing that they can, you know, like goad you with. Mm-hmm. And he saw me correct somebody one time uh, with Crudup, and he goes, "Ah, oh, I think I got a little something here." So at one point, he's like, "Hey, it's Billy Crudup, my dad." And I was like, "Dude, I, I know you're a teenager now, and you're almost taller than me, but that's that's timeout. Go to your Is that happened already? It's unbelievable. Good God, it's like that's all." It's just wrong. It's you know. Well, you have to stop. You should. It. You should do. That. Well, he must be excited about you being an alien. Movie. He was so excited, Peter. The uh, mo- he mostly because it's not another movie of me sitting around with someone talking about my feelings. He's <laughs> like, if you are in another one of those adult movies where you're just talking, Dad, I'm going to kill you. I want something. I can-. So I got to bring him to Australia, and he got to see some of like the creature shop and stuff, and. Uh, the effects. Oh, and so cool because it's so disgusting. I was, I, I, I was, I had about, it bought me three weeks of coolness there, um, <laughs> which I was, I was grateful for, I have to say. But um, I was also giddy about seeing that stuff. I, I, I haven't been a part of something where the, the level of artistry that goes into the production design and the artifacts that they're creating for this were so extensive and beautifully rendered that you feel like you're at some kind of museum exhibit so it was pretty cool well it kind of is you know it's like you've gone to like movie disneyland where that you can actually be acting in that i'd be intimidated as hell to walk on well, it makes it a lot easier because you don't have to imagine much it's all right there and <laughs> since we were meant to be in an uncomfortable environment it was perfect for us but ridley <laughs> would take us around ridley is like he's like a fourteen-year-old boy in those situations where he's like, "Look at all the blood over there! Isn't that amazing? You ever seen anything so disgusting?" <laughs> I know. It took four years to make that. You know, like the the level of design and precision that goes in uh, into the uh, creation of this world. It's like being a part of an art installation. You know, I've not done my due diligence, and I haven't even mentioned who you're playing. But you you basically are playing a guy who's a who's a man of faith. Right. He was the second in command. Right. And you, the man of faith, gets to take over who has no damn faith in himself. Precisely. Yeah. And that, that was the interesting thing to me specifically about this character is um, he's somebody who, who seems to be guided by um, his own belief system, his own um, notion of how we were created and where we came from. And then when challenged by these uh, unthinkable obstacles, loses that faith and has to sort of 
um, regain his own sense of you know authority and strength and everything in the midst of all this chaos. And um, so playing a character who's going through that on a practical level while we're watching it, um, you know, in a kind of metaphorical level, I thought was really in- interesting for me. But, I mean, here you are with this cast, and you, th- this is, again, a prequel because it's maybe a sequel to Prometheus, but we're moving towards the beginning of The First Alien in 79. So you must have been a kid when that was coming out. I was. It scarred me deeply. I made Did it? A, oh, you- I made a horrible decision. I think I was 10 or 11 with a bunch of friends who had heard about some horrific scene in this movie, Alien. Well, we went to go see some G movie and uh, snuck in to Alien. And needless to say, when that moment came out, we fled um, in horror. And uh, it stayed with us for a long time. It was probably five or ten years before I could actually watch that movie on, um, I guess it was Betamax or whatever we were watching them on. You're talking then. about the the crude up brothers being such wussies that they couldn't sit. Oh yeah, we saved our fighting for each other. We couldn't <laughs> handle it in movies. It's too much horror at home. You so know? now you have a kid almost, well he's a little bit older than you were. Yeah. And Is he allowed? He wants to see it so bad and I, and I was like dude, I don't know if I'm going to um, allow you to do that because I really don't want to stay up with you every night for the next month while you process this. Um, and so I kind of took him through explicitly one scene yeah. and he was like, okay, I think I'll, um, I'll think about it, Dad. I'm like, so I think I put it off. Just in, it just, I need to get through the opening of the movie and give him some time to hear how horrific it is. And I'm then trying to think own. what of your work he can see. Yeah, very, I mean, I watched Did Big he go to Fish Watchmen? with him. Uh, no, and I don't think he's quite ready for Watchmen. Um, I've seen, that freaked me out. I yeah, think that's was another one that's, penis. you know, yeah. Mm. It was, everything was larger than it should be in life. Well, okay, Peter, I mean, okay, it's well, a lot of information. I, <laughs> it is. I, uh, you had to somehow you know there was process a, Do you know it. there was, well, trust me, I, when, I, yeah. when, I, when I heard, because Zach goes, we did a... Um, we did a, a, a test with a bunch of the other animators and stuff to, to get a consensus from everybody about which size would be appropriate. And in the graphic novel, um, he specifically <laughs> illustrates it as a sort of Greek statue. You know, mm-hmm. he got, like, it's an iconographic idea of a man. And I guess Zach's idea was, well, we're going to try something different. And so they went through um, a series of different uh, penis sizes mm-hmm. on a scale of 1 to 25. And when he told me they landed on 24, I thought, well, that's just, that's a terrible thing to do to me forever. And they did it. And they did. When I look at you, I see every kind of thing I've seen you in. And there's no one Billy Crudup cut. Although, I think now Almost Famous could bookend your sort of God movies with Alien. Because when you're standing on that roof saying, I am a golden God. <laughs> then I met God. Then I met the devil. Exactly. <laughs> then I played the blue God. I, yeah, I, I guess I have a God complex. Yeah, and everything else, because sometimes, well, I see your smile, it's really nice, and then I remember seeing you in Pillow Man, uh, where you're uh, murdering children. Well, you know, I, I, I still contend it wasn't me, it was my brother, Peter, that's what I... So blaming your brother for everything. Well, yes, my older this brother, Tommy, it. in real life, I've, and then my brother, played by Michael Stuhlbarg in the play, yes. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty twisted, uh, fantastic play, too. I've got a good chance to be a part of some sick storytelling. And I commend you for Thank it. you. It's like really important to have things like that. Your brother Tommy did tell me two things. He said, you don't look Billy directly in the eye. And I'm doing <laughs> that. And you in no way touch his hair. 
Well, this is not my hair. This is a weave, and it cost me a fortune. <laughs> fortune okay? to so get that done. You can't, I have very but quick reflexes. But I have this temptation to, to just go, I, oh, no. But Peter, please do as you're told. told do not look not, me in the eye. <laughs> and do not touch that hair. He had other things, but he said those were the two things I should know. Tommy's got some interesting hair going on. I'm sure the viewing public will be <laughs> very really interested They really want to know that. Story. We'll yeah. splash two photos of him. We'll get some photos from up there his of him. past to do that. But what in your <laughs> in your childhood made you say to your parents? Because where were you? You were Long Island, but then you were in Florida Dallas and, and in Florida, Texas. Yeah. So you come from nowhere. No, uh, New York is our home for sure. We've been, because Tommy and I moved here in 91 together, and um, I came up to go to graduate school, and he just wanted to get, um, try to find a job in New York. And um, shortly thereafter, my mom moved up to the city, and then my younger brother. So all of our family, with the exception of my grandmother, um, who's 95. Hi, Mimi, if you're watching. I hope you didn't listen to any of the disgusting things that Peter and I were talking about <laughs> up to this point. Um, but she can begin now. Yes, yeah, start now. <laughs> Hi, Mimi. Um, <laughs> if you could start it there, that would be I great. I just kept thinking we'll of make a special you know, one for having a, a Billy Crudup film festival for <laughs> your grandmother. And what would be the there's one, one movie? There's show. one movie she likes. It was Charlotte Grace. She was like, because finally you were in a romance. It was about a romance. World War II. And, and Kate Blanchett was yes, in it. She's like, please don't. I mean, if your fake blue penis is on screen, I don't need to see that. Or if you're playing someone named Head, I don't need to see that. Again, though, what? That's one of the great movies. If I'm going through that, Jesus' Son is one of those ones. You know, I, I was so proud to be a part of that. Um, and I don't really know where the. Total it came junkie. From. Absolutely. Yeah. But someone who saw the world as a beautiful place. It was the every opportunity in this landscape of, of depravity was an opportunity for him to see some poetry in living. And yeah. that, that just, I, I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful movie. What do you feel when you look back through the prism of your oeuvre? <laughs> <laughs> Grateful that I'm old enough to understand what oeuvre uh, means. What comes out of that that where you say well, that was an experience? You know, it, I, gratitude, really, because the, if I had dreamed it up when I was in school, how um, my, my best case scenario of uh, a career, um, it, would, it would be so many of the things that I've gotten an opportunity to do. Things like The Pillow Man, things like... Um, Jesus' son and working with Ridley Scott and Almost Famous and um, you know, the last play I did was Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart, Shuler Hensley and I doing Waiting for Godot and a Harold Pinter play No Man's Land <laughs> in repertory on Broadway. Well, yeah, you, I mean, you've done, you have a Tony Award for Ghost of You. I brought it. Did you? Because it? it's like really important to have those. You should have... You know, I wear make it, it, make it into a necklace. It's got very weird. I thought it would be great to put it on the hood of a car. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> That's all that. Just on the hood of my Kia. Where does, where does all that go in your life when you're winning awards? Um, well, it's really just that one that I it's have It's just that here. one. So that's, I didn't want to bring that up No, that's in, that's in my son's room, and it hangs over his bed to let him know. Uh, <laughs> he should aspire. To aspire to something, son. <laughs> to, to, okay? be, to be doing this. Listen to daddy. He's got to talk. But, you know, you, what I was saying before, I'm serious about it. It's impossible to pigeonhole you into this one thing. Which is when somebody wants to be a major star, they usually play the same part over and over right. again. And you don't do that. Well, so I, when was the intervention done on you? <laughs> <laughs> They've been trying to do the intervention forever. It's just, luckily, I have the same agent and have the same agent for a long time. And 
he's tired of hearing me talk about it, so I think he just lets me do whatever I want and, and knows that if he if he pursues um, uh, a certain path too much that I'll just hang up on him. But when I was in school, I, I, I thought, well, I was taught that if you want to have a long career as an actor, you have to exploit the best opportunities that you get. And if the, the characters that you're getting are disparate, that's even better. You get to exercise a lot of different things early on in your career. And so I, I think that was an early pursuit of mine. I also really, to me, the theater is a very active and interesting place for performance. And uh, I go to the theater a lot, and I have a lot of friends in it. And so finding a way to do both, and I was getting pretty exotic opportunities in both. You know? I'll say. So I, I thought... That's kind of my responsibility is to take those chances while I get them because there's going to be a certain point where obviously you won't have those kinds of opportunities or they'll change. And as it turns out, I've just been able to, you know, sustain what has been for me like a dream career of supporting parts and lead parts and um, big budget films and no budget films. And in fact, on uh, Jesus' Son, the woman who was the producer, um, and uh, co-writer and uh, acted in it was somebody that I went to drama school with. And she said, you know, this isn't a movie where we have a budget of much of anything, so we really can't pay you. And I said, the only thing I want is one of those, um, one of those cast chairs that says <laughs> head on the back. And so that's what I've got in my <laughs> that's apartment. That's what you got. Yeah, exactly. The head chair. I have, the to- I have totems from my... I, I mean, I just think it's perfect. Yeah, and but- when my son discovered that... I've had it about six or so. That took a lot of explaining, but uh, now he's a big fan. You know, that's what having a child is. You know, it's total a lot explanation, of explanation, <laughs> which will go on for years and years after that. But again, when you do, last year we saw you. You're in 20th Century Women, the sweetest guy on earth, the opposite yeah. of Pillow Man yeah. guy. He's yeah. like. Uh, He's, he's fixing things. I and mean, I want to play those roles. i got to tell you, Peter, if I was offered more of the... Uh, I can remember there was another movie that came out this year called One Mile to You, mm-hmm. where the, it's about a young runner who's in the midst of turmoil and, and tumult, and I play his uh, coach, who has, like, he's solved his existence. He knows exactly where he is. He likes being a mm-hmm. high school track coach, and... I slept so well while I was playing that character. I was like, please, can I keep playing him so forever? So you're taking these parts home with you? Well, you know what ends up happening is you trick your imagination for 12 hours during the day. There's just a little bit of residual, you know. If, if I, I can remember there was a movie called Dedication that Justin Thoreau directed. Mm-hmm. And that character just saw the world as an assault. Mm-hmm. And um, so not only do the scenes involve that, but you, you, have to, you have to find, I mean, if you're, if you're interested in manifesting it in a way that seems realistic, you just kind of trick your brain a little bit, you know, to look at people sideways and you imagine other people's motivations are bad. So when you've got your imagination working that way all the time, Man, it's just it's all. just a little bit. Well, you, you know, did that in Jackie too, because there you are, the journalist interviewing Jack and Kennedy after her husband's assassination. Yeah, and I kept because yeah, you know, I'm a critic, so my head is filled with. Uh, different things and so in that you're kind of playing with her and she's playing with you when when the director of Pablo Lorraine was uh, uh, explaining to me I was like man you understand like I grew up post this I only know the Jackie Kennedy that we that we revere you know I can't imagine a scenario where a human being would approach her a week after her husband's assassination and like grill her in a mm-hmm. way, you know, or call into question her, and um, 
he was very shrewd in addition to having uh, um, a very convincing voice uh, in saying, um, well, this is your entire career. You've been working for 40 years to build up, or 30 years to build up this reputation as a, a solid journalist. You can't allow somebody who, up until this point, was bu- considered by the intellectuals as a kind of novice in mm-hmm. this field. You know, you can't let her build the legacy of our president. You have to, no matter what she wants. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, you want me to play you. You're interested <laughs> in figuring out what made her familiar. He's like, you have course are correct. <laughs> I play the scene. It's great. Play it the way I told play you it. to do it. To do it. There was one moment at the beginning of it where I'm introduced to her and or, or she opens the door and he said um, when she walks away you must stare at her ass. And I was like dude you, I, I'm not I don't have a problem He's playing a weird winner. guys you know or you know people with um Interesting morals, but um, that's a bit much. So he's like, we have to understand she's a woman. And I was like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> okay. I want to go back I and watch myself, that yeah. tonight and to do that. Well, this show ends because it's your first time in song. In song? Just a little bit of it. A okay. Something that's in your head. To... Um, do, you, do you mean to sing out loud? Out loud, yeah. Well, you did it. I even saw you sing in Rudderless, Bill Macy's movie. Let me just point out, Peter, there's something called movie magic. No, you're um, going to say it's auto-tuned. I want dude, what's Dude, we spent so long in the recording no. booth. What about something you sing to your son? Um, <laughs> something The only simple. thing I sing to my son is Silent Night. And, uh, is that, is that it appropriate was, even when it's not Christmas? Uh, well, it's not, <laughs> but it was the only thing that I could remember and um, so I would sing, Silent night, holy night. All right, that's all you Somehow get. that makes total sense for Alien, Alien Company. So not and I don't know why that. that is. I am a little creeped out yeah, by good. it. But at the same time. That's why my son goes to sleep like this. Get out of my room, Dad. <laughs> why is he singing Silent Night? With my Tony. <laughs> With the Tony. Hey, he's got to stop doing that. Billy, thank you so much. Peter, thank you. Great, great to talk to you. Pleasure to talk to you.